Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I think The Bachelor needs an off season, don't you guys think? Oh, totally. I think we're also going to be in for like Bachelorette, Batch in Paradise, Bachelorette, like back to back to back coming up. I, I think I think it's like football. Like, I think you need an off season. Like, I do consider this like the fifth American sport. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and that opening clip was from Jared Freed, a comedian on the Bachelor podcast. He's finally starting to understand The Bachelor is indeed a sport. Today is Thursday, so you know what this episode is. Twibbin! We're going to give you our screams from the pit. 
We're going to give you Parasocial Plays of the Week. We're going to give you all that Bachelor Nation news. We're even going to talk about some gains, even though we're not in season. And, of course, before we get to any of that, we do a little segment on this show called State of the World, where we talk about some broader piece of news, something that's happening out there in the world that is seemingly completely unrelated to Bachelor Nation. And then we tell you exactly how it is related to our beloved game. This is Game of Roses, State of the World. The biggest story in the country is currently the mass shooting that happened in Boulder, Colorado this week, resulting in 10 murders. And this comes less than a week after another mass shooting that was a hate crime against the Asian community that left eight people dead in Atlanta. The Boulder suspect is Ahmad Al-Aliwi Alisa, age 21, uh, who was taken into custody after a gunfire exchange with responding police. He is now facing 10 counts of murder in the first degree, and his first court appearance is scheduled for today. He walked into a grocery store in Boulder called King's Super in body armor with two guns, one of which was an AR-556 pistol. This is a smaller version of the AR-15 assault rifle that has become one of the most popular guns in the country and seems to be the weapon of choice for the American mass shooter. Elisa reportedly bought the gun just six days before the mass shooting, and his motive is as of yet unknown. Robert Aaron Long, who is also 21 years old, was the mass shooter who murdered eight people in Atlanta. Six of them were Asian women. He was able to purchase his 9mm pistol the day of the shooting due to Georgia's lax gun safety laws. His motives were known, and they were religious. His evangelical family kicked him out of the house for succumbing to his sex addiction when he was watching porn, and this was believed to be the contributing factor to his decision to initiate a mass shooting. This is grim news, as mass shootings always are, but as... Our whole country is starting to get back to some sense of normalcy with COVID restrictions being lifted in many places. We're obviously going to start seeing more of this. This is just how our country operates. And it might not seem like this has anything to do with Bachelor Nation, but I assure you, it most certainly does. America is the only country in the world whose media treats guns like we do, and we're the only country in the world who has mass shootings as frequently as we do as well. The Second Amendment to our Constitution gives us all the right to bear arms, and this is exactly what the American populace does. We're the only country on the planet that has more guns in it than people. We have about 331 million citizens, and we have 393 million guns. But this obviously doesn't mean everybody owns a gun. In fact, only 30% of the American population claims to own guns. So that means the people who do have guns have several guns. 390 million. (laughs) That is staggering. And there is a rich culture that surrounds gun ownership and use in America. And that culture is well represented in our beloved game, believe it or not. It is so deep in our beloved game, that the first gun that we saw was in season one. Rhonda Rittenhouse, who arguably got the first villain edit of all time, shot a gun off the side of a boat at Clay Pigeons on one of the first group dates. We've seen guns involved in several hometown dates. 
In season five, Tara Huckabee had a hometown date in Oklahoma City, which was a be a man with the theme of guns, where her father brought a bunch of guns and made bachelor Jesse Palmer shoot these guns with him. Then in season nine, the third hometown was Jennifer Wilson, who wound up winning that season's ring. Her hometown took place in Miami, and her dad is an All-American football coach. And guess what he's got? When Lorenzo... Yes, he definitely has guns. (laughs) When Prince Lorenzo Borghese comes to meet the family, he sits him down in the family room and he brandishes a shotgun telling Borghese this is the weapon he would use on any man who treated his daughter wrong. In season 10, Bachelor Andy Baldwin, on a group date, had one player, Aaron Parker, tell Bachelor Baldwin that she wanted to shoot guns with him, and he said, Aaron may have bleach blonde hair and looks like a Barbie doll, but she sure knows how to do some manly things like shoot guns, and that's attractive. The producers included this in the edit to get this idea across that guns are manly and a valuable part of building romance. Then in season 16, Amber Tierney, a critical care nurse from Waverly, Nebraska, had the second intro package that season in which she was shooting a gun. Season 18, Hometowns. This is Juan Pablo's season. Future crown Andy Dorfman met Juan Pablo by a lake in a park. Notably no hoochoo. But then she takes him to a fire range and they have to shoot guns. He finally hits a bullseye and then he is able to meet the family. Presumably he proved he was a man and could now unlock the meeting of the family portion. Then in season 19, Chris Souls, Becca Tilly got the first one-on-one date one week. It was an animal husbandry date where they rode horses. The date card read... Let's give love a shot. And of course, after they rode horses, they shot cans with a revolver. We also had on Ari Leyendijk's season 22, Tia Booth's intro package had footage of her blasting a revolver. We also had on JoJo's season, she had a date with Luke Pell where they are shooting shotguns out in an open field. We've seen postseason parasocial play from people like ring winner Garrett Yegorian. He routinely features images of himself with a wide array of firearms, sometimes in silhouette, sometimes right up in your face. And, of course, Garrett Powell has been featured in some of those photos and videos with him as they go out for their weekend shooting. So guns have been a part of The Bachelor from the beginning and continue to be shown on screen continue to be used as a part of romance building. And we have to ask ourselves, why are guns included constantly in a show that is supposedly about helping people find love? And I think the answer is pretty simple. It's to pander to that certain segment of the audience who likes guns, that 30% of America that owns 390 million guns. I did not realize that it was such a high statistic that 30% of people have guns. And, you know, that statistic is probably very different for the part of the country that we live in. I don't know anyone with a gun except for you. (laughs) And I only have one gun. I'm a statistical anomaly. 
But, you know, I grew up in Texas, 18 years old. Here's what you're getting for your birthday. And that was that. It definitely is a kind of regional thing, I think. But the way we treat guns, the way our media covers it, especially mass shootings, every time there's a mass shooting, that's the biggest news. It takes over everything. And the idea of guns in our culture just gets reinforced again and again and again. And then even all the way down to something like Bachelor Nation, where guns are viewed as like just kind of a fun hobby. It's part of courting is shooting guns. Now, for some people, that may actually be true in the world. But this is a nationally broadcast show. And so it's this idea of guns being ever present in our society just gets hammered back into our heads every time we watch this show. Not every time. Some seasons don't have guns, but like, as we just said, a lot of them do. Literal images of our players firing weapons. Um, I, I think it ties into some of the, you know, we categorize this as a be a man date subcategory guns. There has been also axe throwing. That is another common type of be a mandate. And it is this idea of masculinity. And I think, I mean, when you apply it to the larger state of the world, it's horrifically depressing. And we're seeing that almost all of these mass shooters are men. And there is also, you know, a race and a gender element to the Atlanta shootings as well. A lot of different, a lot of different things factoring into these, but perpetuating guns as a symbol of masculinity just cannot be a good thing. (laughs) No, certainly not. But I mean, it's baked into the fabric of our country. I don't know how you get rid of that. Unless it's like a multiple generations later thing that has kind of phased out over time. But like, it's not going anywhere in our lifetimes. Every fucking movie I saw as a kid growing up was some giant dude with a giant gun blowing the shit out of somebody for some reason. Even if you watch like fucking Avengers and stuff. Some of those characters. Don't they shoot people with lasers? Yeah, but they have guns. guns. Some of them have fucking guns. Sure. Winter Soldier had a giant machine gun. That was like his whole deal. Is he an Avenger? I need to see these movies. <laughs> he was not technically an Avenger, but um, I'm just saying like that sensationalizing sure. it is definitely in our media. And I'm not saying that that is like why mass shootings happen. Obviously, 99.9 infinity percent of all of us can watch a movie about a guy with a gun like John Wick or something and not do a mass shooting. I'm not saying that that is the reason for it, but I'm saying our acceptance of guns as a part of American culture certainly makes them easier to get. It makes the NRA's lobby more powerful and shows like The Bachelor, which are presented literally as a dating show that contains guns in it every other season or so is a part of that as well. It's us reflecting back our own values and and the, Mm -hmm. the show is trying to do it for ratings. It is just trying to appease that audience who is a Second Amendment kind of cultural audience. I would say I'm more hopeful than you. I know I got extremely disillusioned after Sandy Hook specifically because it seemed like, oh, if we're not able to pass any gun reform after that, then we're fucking tanked. We're just going to accept this new normal of constant mass shootings. But I do think there was an element of not having these every day and then them coming starting to come back after covid i mean we still had 
a shit ton of gun violence, but I'm hopeful that maybe this is a time period where people can be like, oh, we don't have to live like that. It doesn't have to be like this. And how do you see that happening? You think laws will be passed? Yeah. (laughs) If there's enough pressure, laws can be passed. And we get rid of the filibuster. (laughs) Yeah, the NRA just has too much money. Like, I don't... They're falling apart, though. We'll see, I guess. I mean, after Sandy Hook, I agree with you. I thought if ever it was going to happen, that was the time. I guess I I feel like there is momentum for change right now because of all of the upheaval. So Mm -hmm. this is the only reason that I am somewhat hopeful. The gun issue doesn't seem to be the... This toxic thing that even Democrats ran away from anymore. Um, And we have, there's, I mean, most people, including gun owners, support universal background checks. Yeah, certainly to minimize the likelihood of a mass shooting happening. To at least get rid of one mass shooting a year would be great. And I think you're right. Like more stringent background checks, a longer waiting period. Even a gun registry, which the NRA always says is that's how the government's going to take your guns from you. But there are things that can be put in place, certainly. We just I don't mean, do them the in this country. Is, that, is there like any inch they're like, they're trying to take our guns? That's the same thing that they continue to push. I mean, at least make these changes, close these loopholes so that our approach to guns isn't so piecemeal and irrational if you have lists of people that aren't allowed to buy guns (laughs) then those people should not be allowed to buy guns yes i think that is a good (laughs) rational first step i agree with you i for some reason i keep like leaning into virtual reality augmented reality type stuff where we could get to a, a future where no one owns a real gun except the military. Even cops obviously don't need real guns. Mm-hmm. And if nobody had a gun in our society, but the people who were like into gun culture and shit could do that in a virtual reality environment or an augmented reality right. environment, so much the better, I think. Or even have places where if you really want to shoot guns, you can go there and you can even own the guns, but the guns stay there. It's like yes. people who ride horses. Like my mom is like that. She rides horses all the time. She doesn't fucking take the horse home Keep with the her. the horse in her house. The horse stays yeah. at the stable where she rides it. So you could have a gun locker at a firing range and you could have as many guns as you wanted there, but they can't leave the firing range. That would Love even that. work. But then you get into the whole argument of, well, what about self-defense? I have to be able to protect my home, blah, blah, blah. And as we know, that's a, a kind of false argument that, most guns in the home wind up being used against the people who own them. Yes. This is why I haven't gotten any uh, item for self-defense, is I know it'll be targeted (laughs) against me. If I get pepper spray, I know I'm getting pepper spray in my fucking face. (laughs) But this news is, is just terrible, obviously. And, you know, as I said up top, unfortunately... There's just going to be more mass shootings now that we're opening back up. Now that society is returning to kind of a a more group setting, we're going to start seeing these. There will be school shootings. This is just literally the nature of our country. 
until some of these laws get changed, if they ever do. And The Bachelor plays a role in it. It's a pretty horrifying thing to accept as a normal thing. But I guess we accept a lot of those. At this point, there's simply no other way to view it, in my opinion. To have any kind of hope that this is just a weird period of time in America, the past 30 years, (laughs) you know, whatever it's been. (laughs) I know, we've literally passed like no gun legislation in 20 years, which is insane. And more and more people are buying guns. Like guns, gun sales are at all-time highs. They, I was reading mm-hmm. an article about how it was roughly in 2006 that especially assault rifles, AR-15s, the rate of sales started doubling, tripling, quadrupling. And, you know, you wonder why that is. Prepping for the Civil War. Yes, that's when Obama was running. That's when he became president. And then obviously Trump gets into office and stokes all the fear that has been brewing during Obama's presidency. And COVID didn't help either. Like we had just kind of a a string of things that really riled the people up who wanted to get guns. And they have all the fucking guns now. These hometown dates where the fathers make them shoot guns, it's it's pretty unnerving to watch. Especially like in season five, Jesse Palmer didn't want to do it. He's yeah. clearly nervous and uncomfortable even yeah, holding a fucking awful. gun. And he's forced to do this to prove his manhood to this dad. But I also have to say, I know it didn't exist back then, or it did, but he wasn't aware of it. Sleucian protocol. If you're going into the game, you better be ready to shoot a gun because it might happen. Will we see guns on the next season of Bachelorette? We didn't see guns this season. I thought we had, but in reality, it was a parasocial gun on Amber, a night one girl's Instagram page. At this point, it's virtually impossible not to have at least one incoming player with a picture of them holding a gun somewhere in their social media. That has been happening season after season at this point. Sometimes shirtless. Sometimes the guns are machine guns. Listen to your heart. Michael Todd, hot touch. Might be referring to the the heat of the barrel of a freshly fired machine gun. Well, it inspired a beautiful song, so... I take back everything I've said about guns. We got hot touch from it. But that is the grim state of the world. We are staring at a week that contained two horrific mass shootings. Where we go from here, we don't know. We hope it gets better. I I just, I have a feeling that ain't going to be the case. But thank you, nonetheless, for indulging our state of the world. And now we're going to move on to some information That is a little more fun. We're going to talk about some Instagram movements of players from this past season, season 25. This is... This Week in Games. As you know, this is the first week without a game, so there are no ratings to chart. And the season is over, so most players are going to have their gains frozen until they wind up on Paradise, or in the case of Katie Thurston and Michelle Young on their own seasons of The Bachelorette. So we just want to do a truncated version of This Week in Gains, in which we take a look at some of the players of note and see what's going on with their Instagrams this week. The 25th Bachelor, Matt James, is still sitting comfortably at the 1 million mark after a tumultuous week on the platform. 
Almost immediately after becoming only the second black player in history to join the One Million Club, James deactivated his entire account, presumably due to the tidal wave of negative comments he was receiving after the season's end, and his decision to end his televised relationship with skydiving survivor Rachel Kirkconnell. But within the last 24 hours, James has reactivated his account with a few changes that we will be discussing in Parasocial Plays of the Week. But despite his brief hiatus, his numbers are holding steady, and we hope they continue to grow. 11th place finisher Katie Thurston is in New Mexico, shooting her first week of Bachelorette Season 17. Night one has transpired, and she is moving into her first group dates and one-on-ones as we speak. While she's in the bubble, she can't use her phone, but that hasn't stopped 26,000 people from following her journey to come. Her total is now at 545,000 Instagram followers, and we expect her to break 1 million in the very early part of her season, possibly week two or three. You heard it here first. And... Of course, the next next Bachelorette, Michelle Young, eclipsed everyone this week with a massive postseason gain of 52K, bringing her up to 412,000 total followers, all anxiously anticipating her upcoming season 18 of The Bachelorette. Despite being a little late to the game on Instagram, Young is making up for lost time, and this week with a few new images on her main grid, which now has... 14 posts, some of which are even showing off a very powerful parasocial gaze. And what about the ring winner of season 25, Rachel Kirkconnell? (laughs) Bachelor Nation weathered the storm of her racism scandal, and seemingly so did she. Kirkconnell packed on an additional 38,000 followers this week, bringing her up to 639,000 total. As we noted last week, her total is down several hundred thousand from PP's ring winner, Hannah Ann Sluss, who concluded her run in-game with over a million followers. But Kirkconnell is still on the rise, and we think she is going to have a very long career as an influencer within the nation. Abigail Herringer was another Instagram powerhouse this season, and her gains have slowed significantly. But the first week after her season still saw her adding 9K new followers to bring her up to 481,000 total. We are fully expecting to see her on sand in the next iteration of Paradise, where we predict she is going to double her current Instagram total at the very least. And the two co-hosts of the next season of The Bachelorette, Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow, are under observation. I like whatever is happening. <laughs> is your computer broken? No, I'm just I'm trying something out. Oh. But you look like you're reading off your phone now. I am, yeah. My screen is totally fucking okay, destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, I'm reading off my phone. Adams is the first black player to cross the 1 million mark. And she's at 1.8 million right now. And Bristow, the undisputed post-game goat, is at 1.9 million. It seems only a matter of time before each of them cross into the rarefied 2 million club, which currently only has three other members. The reigning Instagram champ, Hannah Brown, at 2.6 million. Joe, Joe, Joe Fletcher at 2.3. And, 
of course, the male Instagram champion, Tyler Cameron, at 2.2 million followers. You just used your Nick Vial voice for Tyler Cameron. Don't let him know. And last but certainly not least, we must mention DLH. Despite the controversy and the resulting punitive action taken by ABC and Warner Brothers, when they forced DLH to step away from the game for an undisclosed period of time that included season 25's After the Final Rose, the father of lies has managed to add 14.7K new followers over the past 30 days, bringing him to 1.36 million. More on the Dark Lord a little later in the program. And that wraps up This Week in Gains. We will, of course, be keeping an eye on everyone's Instagrams, and very soon we'll shift our focus to the players of Katie Thurston's upcoming season to see who's coming into the game with big numbers and who is translating their play on the field in the biggest gains. And now, on to some tids. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News, it's Joe, 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 and Dayro Bro. They are building their hosting reels as the faces of an upcoming dating show on TBS with an incredibly unfortunate title, The Big D. The show is not about giant penises, as the name would have you believe, but instead, it's a reality dating show that features divorced couples. So every player's divorce PTC will essentially be rendered useless by the conceit of the game itself. This is from TBS. The series follows 10 divorced couples as they move into a tropical villa in Costa Rica and relearn how to date. The group takes part in revealing relationship ex- exercises designed to help the singles form connections, make peace with their former partners, and finally get over the issues holding them back from dating. One person will be eliminated in each episode, and jealous exes may try to send their rival home or perhaps even defend their ex's honor. Now, we have seen Jojo Jojo attempt to host last season on The Bachelorette. And this produced less than stellar results. We have also seen Jojo Jojo jo, jo, and Aro Bro working together as a couple as guest judges on Listen to Your Heart last year. I could not find a premiere date for the big <laughs> D, but if it airs in some pocket of Bachelor Off season, Pace Case, are we watching the show? Are there gonna be big D tings? <laughs> That's my deal breaker. Look, I am wor- I'm working my way through Married at First Sight right now. That is what I am power binging. It is extremely good. It is very cringe dating content that I highly recommend. But I'm open to any of this shit. Inject it into my veins. Vaccinate me with horrific relationship drama. I can't get enough. That's my off time. I'm watching a different reality dating show. I literally, all I watch that isn't Bachelor now is anime. That's it. Different strokes. Are you going to watch the big D? 
I mean, if you do, if we're going to recap it or something, if like I said, if it falls oh, in like a pocket, it's the new um, labor, labor of, of love. love. Yeah, <laughs> if it falls in a pocket where there's not a bachelor show going on, mm-hmm. but I can't. Like, when the fuck is that going to be? I mean, look, I'm going to watch the first episode because I do want to see how their hosting tops are, mm. and see what they do in the first episode. I remember the first episode of Labor of Love. They had the dudes all jerk off, and then they had a sperm count contest. Yeah, I hope it will be at least as thrilling as that. Speaking of things we have been watching closely, our second item of Bachelor Nation news is our latest crown, Matt James, joining the One Million Club. He is the first black male player to do it and only the second black player ever after Tasha Adams. Hours later, he then archived all of his Instagram posts and tweeted about NFTs, which we will cover later in Parasocial Plays of the Week. Really, there are not enough congratulations for what Matt James has accomplished here with this incredible breakthrough, this incredible landmark moment in Parasocial Play for anyone in our beloved game. I mean, this opens the door for everybody who's going to come after him now on the male side. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sucks that it was mired in all this bullshit and he felt that he had to take his Instagram down. But at least he walked away from this fucking dumpster fire of a season with this. This is one goal I'm sure he had going in and he, at the very least, attained that one. Whenever I think of the metaphor for this season, I just think of our creature of the season. The shitting donkey. But congrats to Matt James. We are very happy that you made it to the Million Club and hopefully sky's the limit after this. And we only have one more piece of Bachelor Nation news this week. It was a little bit of a light news week. But this piece of news involves that old dark lord, his self, DLH. Not light at all. Very dark. Indeed. DLH has retained a high-powered attorney, Brian Friedman, to represent him. This is the same attorney who represented Gabrielle Union when she sued NBC for racial discrimination for her America's Got Talent dispute. After she was fired as a judge from the show, she claimed there was racism and a hostile work environment at NBC. A source told Page Six regarding Chris Harrison, Chris has had a spotless record for 20 years. He has always been the good company man, but after the way he's been treated by producers and executives over the past couple of weeks, he's run out of cheeks to turn. Now, he's ready to tell the truth about how things really work over there, and he has plenty of evidence to back him up. Will the Dark Lord sue the Bachelor? Will he go out in a legal blaze of glory? Time will tell. Maybe. Time may not tell. He may not do it. I certainly didn't have this on my Bachelor bingo card as the way DLH goes out. (laughs) <laughs> a racism scandal taking over the whole show and that he sues their asses. I didn't see this either. Didn't see it coming for fucking miles because he's such a a piece of the show and the show is such company a piece man. of him. Exactly. But also, like, it's not just company man. His whole life is this. This is his identity. 
and to turn back around and possibly try to sink the fucking ship that he's been sailing on for 20 years is insane. But also I'm like, you know what? I see it. I can see him doing this like a fuck you. If you're going to, you think you can take me down? I'm bigger than the show. I'm going to fuck the whole thing. I can see him making this attempt. Now, it's not going to work. He might be able to sue them. He might even get a settlement out of this. I believe Gabrielle Union got a, a decent settlement out of her suit. And I'm not even comparing the two. I'm just saying it's the same lawyer. Obviously, hers is a little <laughs> different uh, basis, you know, than, than what Dark Lord is trying to have a lawsuit, I guess, built around. But They're both trying six- to get freed by Freedmen from the corporate overlords. And look, clues. DLH only has so many cheeks to turn. I mean, unfucking believable. <laughs> but you know what that implies to me? Uh, that he's Jesus? Well, it's obviously a Christian phrase, so he's getting a little Christian play in there. But it implies to me that he was asked to do things. He was asked to take the fall for some shit. That's what that implies to me. That, like, the producers came to him and said, look, you're just going to have to fucking fall on the Defender. sword for this one. It might not have been that early, but like once the scandal erupted, I think the producers, ABC might have come to him and said like, this is just what's going to happen. You have to issue an apology. We've written it for it. We've written it for you. Put it out. You're going to have to go on Good Morning America. Here's your script. Like, I think he probably did exactly what was asked of him and still got pushed out and he's fucking pissed. Mm -hmm. He's like, I did everything you fucking told me to do. Now you're telling me I can't host Bachelorette. Okay, fuck you. And if anybody has some dirt. If anybody has some fucking emails that you don't want to see the light of day, it is this motherfucker. Wait, you think he has emails from the show? Fuck yes. He's been there since season one. Oh my God. Are we going to get off contract energy from DLH in Discovery? Well, I think that's going to be the settlement. I think he's going to get his lawyer and be like, hey, (laughs) I have every racist, misogynistic, and homophobic email that's ever been sent between producers. I can go ahead and pump that out in a book if you want, or you can give me $50 million. I think that's what we're looking at here. If he gets a huge settlement, his secrets are buried with him. But that's what he would use as leverage. A sensuous (laughs) corporate takedown. Or it's a perfect letter to imperfect letters. And it's just all of the emails <laughs> sent between executives yeah. that are like, exactly. oh my God, I can't believe they're saying this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure he has signed away his civil rights as well. He's probably signed a shit ton of stuff, but. But he's above it in some ways too, because it's, he's an executive producer of the show. So he definitely is not signing the same shit that like players are signing now. And Mm -hmm. even if he is, there will be an expiration on that NDA. He will at some point have the ability to release everything he's got. Or if he wants to, he could just leak it to people too. Like he doesn't have to fucking. He goes by Dumois. Deal starts releasing things. (laughs) You find out that's his Instagram account. (laughs) He's been running it the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) And in all of this, where is Lauren Zima? She hasn't been doing Roses and Rosé. She hasn't really been saying much of anything on any social Mm -hmm. media. That podcast that she was going to launch never came out. And I think she had a window of time 
when all of this started going down, where she could have pulled a Kufrin and she could have distanced herself yeah. from Dark Lord and said, look, this isn't the guy that I started dating. This is shocking. I don't know who this is, but unfortunately, like I can't stay with you. You have to do some work and I can't be a part of that. That's on you. She could have done that and she would have gotten overnight another 250,000 Instagram followers. Hey, I, you're invoking Kufrin. Kufrin didn't dump Garrett right after all that stuff came out. She had a couple years before she did it. So I think Zima could still make this play. This is different. Gary Egarian wasn't international news. Gary Egarian didn't threaten to destroy the entire show. It didn't become bigger news than the whole season. His stuff was like bad, but it wasn't what DLH did. This is a whole other fucking ball of wax. I think her window's closed because she's been silenced too. Unless she can come out and be like, Dark Lord Harrison silenced me, but I will be silenced no longer. Yeah. Dumps him and issues her tell all. I just want Blaze of Glory from fucking Zima. I want it from DLH. Just fucking fireworks everywhere. I'm ready for it. <laughs> like there hasn't been enough. You're like, look, <laughs> season 25 didn't have enough it's been drama a calm for me. News week, and I need the drama now. I'm realizing, you know what? <laughs> Three items of news is not enough for Pace Case. I just find myself very curious about what's going to happen to Zima because her career was on an upward swing for sure. Being the mouthpiece of the show through Dark Lord Harrison. She was getting these exclusives and stuff uh, through Dark Lord, obviously. Now all that is gone. And what is she left with? I mean, if DLH returns, I imagine Roses and Rosé will return. She's got 189,000 Instagram followers. The most four recent posts on her Instagram are... A picture of her dad that she posted on March 10th, and it's an anniversary of his death. There is then a picture on February 9th that says, we are in full theatrics for the latest episode of Roses and Rosé, and it's One live now covering last night's good. episode. Well, she didn't post since February 9th until the father's death she anniversary like, this post. One, this one, I can be clean. Yeah. And then before that, it's another one on February 9th of her in a dress, and then one on February 8th of Dark Lord doing a little skit with her. So the event, the last we'll call skit. it, <laughs> the last skit, <laughs> the event transpired, and at that moment, she seems to have been frozen. She makes no media about The Bachelor since that moment. If she is still mm-hmm. with him, how can she? Like, she can't become more visible unless he does. Unless she breaks up with him. Yeah. She's tethered. She's in a strange situation, and I'm sure she's like, Dark Lord Harrison has been the best career move she's made ever, and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to get rid of that. She might be sticking around just to kind of see like what happens with the lawsuit, what happens with, <laughs> does he come back to the show or not? Because if he does come back and she's dumped him, she's fucked. She's out forever. We find out. Zima has retained Brian Friedman as well. I'm not. Look, there's a version of this that goes down. It's an outside shot, but there's a version where Zima is hosting the show. Ooh. She'd have to make some good plays, but she could do that. She, Because she's good enough How to do it. How would you suggest she does it? Got to dump Dark Lord Harrison first and foremost. Yeah, she has, yeah. Have to take him down. That and you got to do. She got to make a huge spectacle of it. 
I don't even know if you need to make a huge spectacle. Just a fucking amicable breakup post. We've had some good years, but Chris and I have decided to go our separate ways, blah, blah, blah. I need to pursue my career, something like that. That's all it would have to be. And then she's at least in that conversation. She knows some of these producers. She's like, hey, I would love to come on the show and just be one of your Jorge Moreno bystanders. Let me host a date. See how I do. Group date. And I actually think she would be a very good host because she is incredibly funny. She's very good on camera. Yeah, I think she would be pretty good. I love her face play. Great face play. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with all this stuff to both Lauren Zima and the Dark Lord as he and his attorney are now preparing to launch whatever attacks they're about to launch to try and get paid. I mean, look, also, if he sues the fucking show, that's it. He's done. If you yeah. put that lawsuit in writing and fucking file it in court, you're never coming back. He must know that. And so even in retaining this lawyer, that's already in his mind that like there's well, a, that's what I like. Isn't that already an aggressive step? Doesn't that make them less likely to bring him back? Not now. It's a bargaining chip thing. He could be. He could just be using it to hmm. raise his threat level. To be like, I it's can an do ultimatum. this if I want. A Maddie Prue. It kind of is because he's not really at this point. That lawsuit is going to go against Warner Brothers and or ABC, maybe NZK. But it's like he's not suing the producers of the show. The people he works with, he's not suing. He's suing the companies mm-hmm. that own the show, that produce the show. That's like a corporate kind of executive level attack. If he's suing at all. So, I don't know. Whew. We will see. Wild card. But that is it. That is all the news we have for this week. And now it is time to move on to that portion of the show in which we discuss all the plays that our favorite players are making off the field and in the primary world that's the digital world that's the only world that matters that's the world we're all about to live in leave this world behind there's nothing here for you anymore i hate those (laughs) i feel like you're trying to manifest the primary world being the being online i'm trying to manifest it it already fucking is i'm just trying to live in it i i mean now that Matt James has tweeted about NFTs, I'm scared of your power. It, it's not power. I just read the news. I mean, is that a power? <laughs> <laughs> Our next segment is about what some call the primary world. This is The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Our first parasocial play of the week goes to an unlikely format, an Instagram comment. The master of tear play and corn play from Chris Souls' 19th season, Ashley Iaconetti, posted a picture of her on a double date with Jared Iaconetti, Nick Vial and Nick Vial's girlfriend, Natalie Joy. The caption reads, She's everything we hoped he'd find. Perfect compliment. Vibing pink heart emoji. The post has 68.9k likes. Then, previous crown, Ben Higgins, commented on the photo, He's glowing. 
congratulations to Nick Vial on receiving this regal parasocial glow. Have we ever seen a fucking parasocial glow like this? These eyes haven't seen it. This play was fascinating to me. I mean, Higgins literally used the word glow. It is in print. You can go there and read this comment for yourselves. There's 181 likes on the comment. (laughs) It was beautiful. Natalie Joy has inserted herself into the parasocial player pool at this point. She's fucking garnering glows. Picking up glows. I'm ready for when... Nick Vial, the great one, has to call up her parents to get a fucking blessing because you know he's going to do it. And there better be a video. There's not not going to be a video. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this man is not going to do anything off camera. <laughs> well, congratulations to everybody involved. This had multiple players in it. Nick Vial, obviously, his girlfriend, Natalie Joy, the Aya Kennedy twins, and Ben Higgins. It was fantastic work by all involved. Our second parasocial play that we want to highlight goes to Chelsea Vaughn. She posted two images to her main grid where she's posing in a bikini on a beach with the caption, (laughs) Did someone say paradise? With an eyes looking to the side emoji. The post has 15.3 thousand likes and it is powerful. In its simplicity, this is how you future cast parasocially. Get this player with sand twixt her toes, please. Now, what I would ask is, has she already been cast? Is she dripping a little honey here for us? Or is she telling the producers, here's what I would fucking look like on sand? I don't know, which is true. In either case, this fucking play is so good. Nobody else is doing it yet. She's got her eyes to the fucking future, and she's just putting it out there. I loved this play. It is like fodder for me. The future casting, the paradise theme. I I mean, I said it before on our, I don't know when, I think Chelsea Vaughn is one of the most is one of the best parasocial players that we saw from that season. And she continues to amaze me with her work. If you don't follow her on Instagram, please follow her. Um, I bet they haven't determined exact casting. I bet they know that they're in the running mm-hmm. at this point. Oh, for sure. Clear your schedules. She's probably got her schedule cleared. But I think they have to come up with pairs. They have to come up with, you know, what are the storylines going to be? Who can They got to put with? the pieces of the puzzle together for sure. But she is doing something that we talk about quite often on this show, which is using your social media to indirectly speak to the producers. They are watching all of the players' social media and the stuff is not lost on them. They are able to be manipulated just as anyone else is. And so if you drop these little hints, not that this is even a hint, this is a direct statement, (laughs) put me on fucking paradise, but that's going to stick out on their mind. It's displaying your willingness to not only go on the show, but to like play the game a little bit. This is going to get it. Exactly. It's a perfect, perfect play. Speaking of perfect plays, another parasocial powerhouse entered the running this week he submitted two plays this week who am i talking about i'm talking about dr joe park his first submission 
a video to his main grid where he and Bennett Jordan recreate the Titanic boat pose, but on top of a tall building, complete with a Titanic score. That video has 9K likes. Joe Park also posted an Instagram story of him and Bennett wearing masks at the hashtag Stop Asian Hate rally in New York City this week. Dr. Joe is really showing off his parasocial range here, a combination of relatable humor as well as political activism. How does this man only have 82,000 followers? I don't know, because he's consistently turning out strong parasocial work. He was the first person I saw get a COVID vaccine. Person. Me I'm too. not talking about Bachelor Nation. First human being <laughs> that I saw get one. I get all of my medical advice from his reels. He's just unstoppable. He is constantly putting stuff out that's getting like shared around Bachelor Nation. And I think we're going to see him on sand as well. And I think he's going to skyrocket there. Because I think he's going to be oh my God. an incredible STCO. I think he is going to get involved in a kind of all eggs in one basket style scenario that we have seen work for players Barber. like Dylan Barber, like Evan Bass. Although that did not work out in the long term, it did work out in the short term. Yeah, it worked out in the long term. They have kids together. They had a child. Yeah. Two? It's like it worked out. That to me is a successful relationship, even though they're divorced now. God, I let's get Joe Park. Let's have, give him first male sand. Let's give him a fucking romantic storyline. The Bachelor season that never will be. <laughs> first male sand. I will say he has a zero point zero chance. I, I know that. I know. <laughs> Let me dream. We've got two full seasons. Sixty fucking guys are about to what? Or no, because it's just Katie's. We've got thirty more guys. That are about to come before the next paradise. Mm-hmm. And then Michelle's guys will not be eligible for this paradise, obviously, because it's going to happen after their season will happen after this paradise. But they're going to get fucked. No, because they'll be on the next paradise after another season of Bachelorette. Yeah, that's yeah. God I feel like the it. most recent one before Bachelor in Paradise. That's the sweet spot. Um, And also, I feel like Michelle Young's ratings because it'll be late in the year won't be as good. but. Yeah, I think that's a guarantee. We shall see. My t- my two top male sands I want to see, Dr. Joe Park and Pee-Pee. I'm just trying to manifest it. Third sand, second sand, fine. Okay. You think PP gets third sand? I'm negotiating with myself. No. <laughs> if PP goes, PP gets first sand. Crap. I agree. He probably yep. negotiates that in his contract. He's the only man in the first episode. It's him with like eight female <laughs> players only. It's just a mini bachelor. First female sand sweet nums. It's just him and his mom on the island <laughs> and Jorge shows up every once in a while to have conversations <laughs> with him. These Now I'm just listing out all my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> They're not just your dreams. I think many people would love this. Moving on to the next play we want to highlight in the parasocial arena, Mike Johnson did an AMA on Reddit this week where he took a bunch of questions from internet strangers. One of his answers was about his three queens, and he described them thusly. My ma dear, 
grandma, taught at Arizona State University and created the diversity program there. My mom is obtaining her PhD, raised two kids off $31,000, and instilled some dope values in me, I think, and still put me in check when I do act out. My sis retired from the army as captain. She's a badass at work and lol, a partier after work. <laughs> Someone asked, when you said I'm gorgeous and beautiful and that you loved me on Cameo, did you mean it? Mike responded, OFC Bay, and then a flirtatious man gif. <laughs> uh, I think he did an amazing job in this AMA. He did what Mike Johnson did does he talks about his three queens as part of his brand he parasocially flirts with all of his fans he talks about how his season yeah that would have been great but like a lot of great things have happened anyway it's always positive that thousand watt smile you can just you can feel it through these through these words typed on the computer i will say for somebody who got eliminated in sixth place of Bachelorette two seasons ago, he has done an incredible job at maintaining relevance. And it's by doing stuff like this, going in AMAs, having fun Instagram lives with other players. He's sitting at 628,000 followers, which is a huge number for a guy who goes out in sixth place on any season. And he seems to just- And he was barely in Bachelor in Paradise, the season he was on. Yeah, I mean, he really has capitalized on that will they cast him as the first Black Bachelor or not thing that has happened all the way up until Matt James, really. And now he's obviously got this successful podcast with Brian Abbasolo talking it out. I, I'm i just always impressed by the stuff that he does. And like I said, 628K followers is a lot. I would love to see him have a million. I would love to see him have some kind of on-camera gig somewhere. And I think by doing things like this to stay relevant, he... Just mm-hmm. kind of keeps it in our minds that that is possible. And now we come to the final parasocial play. This is our winner of parasocial play of the week. It goes to Matt James. He has been making a series of chaotic parasocial moves. After he archived all of his Instagram posts, he posted a tweet with just a date, three twenty one twenty one. That tweet had 2.5 thousand likes. Then he tweeted on that date, as I've been learning about NFTs, I came across the story of Aku. This entire message really resonated with me and I'm so happy to be part of the hashtag Aku gang at Aku Dreams. Aku Dreams appears to be an NFT character of a black child who dreams of being an astronaut. Not always getting into the NFT space, which is where we should all be at this point. He then performs an Instagram resurrection. Not only does he bring back all of his pictures that he archived from our view, when they come back, there's a little change. Something's different. Something's missing. What is it? Oh, he completely (laughs) removed all Bachelor-related images and videos, including quarantine crew material this is one of the boldest power moves we have ever seen he is fucking done with the franchise one week 
after the fucking final airing of the last episode. He's like, let me go ahead and just, all the poisons you injected into me, let me go ahead and push those out of my body and I will never fucking deal with you again. Goodbye. Other than Colton Underwood turning off his Instagram completely for Mm -hmm. way different reasons. (laughs) uh, (laughs) We've never seen anything like this. No. A beautiful celebration of joining the One Million Club. Fuck you, Bachelor. It really was like, I got what I came for, and don't ever fucking talk to me again. Oh, Jesus, I love it. It's such a strong play to basically just say like, I know you fucked me over. There's no clearer way to say it than this. What do you think the quarantine crew removal is, though? Because it has Hannah Brown in it. It's got, he still has some pictures up of him and Tyler because like they're best friends and all that kind of stuff. But like, I think the quarantine crew is like pretty heavily associated with The Bachelor, why he got Mm. into the show. I think he doesn't want fans that are like, oh my God, what's going on with you and Hannah Brown? What's going on with you and Heather Martin Mm -hmm. and all that? I mean, unfortunately, that's all 1 million of your fans, but uh, (laughs) 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 he's like trying to turn a corner and the stuff he's tweeting about the NFTs, like he's getting into other business things that are not related to The Bachelor and good on him. I'm very excited to see where he goes with this. And this move was just such a fucking bold rebuke of the entire franchise, the show, ABC. It's just a big fuck you to all of them and a well-deserved one. Because they <laughs> totally put this guy fucking through it in a way we've never seen. It is extremely well-deserved. I, I wish him the best on his future endeavors. And I didn't, I don't know, I didn't expect to feel like this at the beginning of the season. <laughs> but I just, I want the best for him. <laughs> Me too. I Look, when we first started talking about him and we were getting little pieces of information because we didn't know that much about him and then we hear his mm-hmm. roommate go on that podcast and say that he was basically a complete fucking asshole to her and then we see the frat guy behavior with smashing cakes and Tyler Cameron's face and all that shit. And look, he may still be that guy. I don't know. But the thing he's gone through, through this show, that has to change you in some ways. It has it's to- It's a season-long PTC that we saw before our very eyes. It's unbelievable. And so I don't know how much of that old Matt James that we heard about in the podcast and saw at the the football games and stuff. I don't know how much of that guy exists anymore. But even if he does, I have so much fucking sympathy for what he went through that I'm like, I don't care, dude. Smash some cakes in Tyler Cameron's face and pour beer on your head. Like, whatever you need to do at this point, you know? (laughs) This is why he's actually perfect with Heather Martin. Pizza box head. He's going to smash some pizzas on her face. They can just do some food play videos together. Maybe that's what his NFTs will be about. Will you buy one of his NFTs? Um, Why would I buy an NFT? Well, I'm going to answer that question this Saturday. I'm going to be doing a special <laughs> episode all about what NFTs are because by far the most frequent DM I received this week was what are NFTs? And even though I already talked about this and kind of explained it a month ago when I made my (laughs) prediction that Bachelor players would be selling NFTs, which has now come true, I will do it again. And I will go more in depth because it's not just about technically knowing what they are. It's knowing why they're important. I know what they are, but I don't want one. I don't see why I would want one. You will want one. I can understand how you wouldn't want one right now because the infrastructure doesn't really exist yet for them. It's a little cart before the horse. 
like I said, I'm going to get into all of this on Saturday. You're going to want NFTs very badly within, I would say, a like year or two. sound like my Instagram algorithm. You're going to want this. That is the highest compliment you have ever paid me. <laughs> but that does it. That wraps up our parasocial plays. Thank you for joining us for all of that. And now it's time to descend into the deepest corners of the pit. Where Pace Case and I scream from the depths of our souls about how our relationship with this game is transforming us into new versions of ourselves. Whether those versions are better or worse, I don't know if we can judge that anymore. <laughs> we certainly cannot. This is Screams from the Pit! We have often on this show made little offhand comments or jokes, little tids that for one reason or, or another tend to snowball. And we repeat them over and over again. We get way in depth with them. And we made a little joke sometime last week regarding Bachelor Clues and I possibly covering Stagecoach as part of our journalistic endeavors. And we have a joint scream this week, which is that this little tid, it's, it's, growing, it's growing some limbs. It's growing a backbone. It's getting more cells in it. It's starting to have legs. And we have been going down this, I would say, gore alternate universe or future casting where Bachelor Clues and I go to Stagecoach and what kind of journalistic endeavors we would perform there. We would have Clues' dogged journalism. We would have my free spirit, a natural at a music festival vibe. <laughs> we, both, we both would bring things to the table. And I think the length of time that I have spent thinking about this, this is a music festival I've never been to. I've only really been to outside lands before. So it would be completely different. But this is definitely my scream from the pit this week. Because now that we're talking about it, I don't know. I think our words are powerful, and now I feel like we are going to go. As with all of our endeavors in relation to our beloved game, when the idea gets in my head, it starts to spin around, and it becomes things. This started out as, hey, we should write a book about The Bachelor. That's what... You know what? Not even. Let's go back further. This started uh -huh. out for you and me as, oh, you like to watch The Bachelor? Me too. You, you want to like have a viewing party together? Sure. Uh -huh. We started doing that. Somewhere along the line, you start writing a recap about it. I start taking four to five pictures of my TV screen of funny images and making memes. Cut to a couple uh -huh. of years into doing that. I'm compulsively photographing the TV screen 2,500 times per <laughs> episode, making 20 to 30 memes. You are writing... 10,000 word long recaps complete <laughs> with like 50 <laughs> gifts in each one. Yeah. 
we get to that point, we start developing the language that we use to speak about the game, but we're just using it with each other. And we decide, you know, we should write a book about this because we can't be the only ones who view it as a game and, and this language that we're kind of creating is a good universal language for it. Maybe other people be interested in it. So mm -hmm. in service then of that idea that we should write a book, we were like, you know, we should do a podcast and that will help us formulate these ideas, speak about them more, and even potentially Flush structure. Exactly. Maybe structure what the book would be like. So we've started the podcast. We wind up starting to write the book. We've got those two projects going on. I'm like, fuck it. I'll get into some weird music. I'll start making songs about this shit. I've made a couple of fucking songs now. Still, I'm You're still writing songs in my head. Yes. At this point, yes. And once we are done with the book, I'm going to get back on that album and that'll be my, my other kind of significant bachelor project that's not the podcast. Listen to your and art. Indeed. And now I see what the stagecoach thing could be too. I see it as you and me go. Stagecoach is only two days or it's a, a two and a half days. I think it's Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Over. I hate country music absolutely despise it is there it is all not, country music yeah <laughs> there's not one country song i like that's not true i like a dixie chick song called unknown soldier <laughs> that's the only one i can think of i just okay. really don't like country music nonetheless as a self-described bumpkin this is shocking well because i came from a bumpkin area where country music was your only choice and i felt like fuck this hmm. i'm gonna listen to depeche mode anyway I can see this being a thing where we go to it, we ingratiate ourselves with the masses, potentially run into some Bachelor players, get interviews with whoever we can, Bachelor or otherwise. Even people who are just there for the music, we can still ask them about The Bachelor, social media, reality television, just boots on the ground style reporting about this event and, oh, you don't know about The Bachelor? Did you know that this is their breeding ground? This is where Cowboy Bachelor players come. Cowboy boots on the ground, exactly. I will be in full cowboy regalia. <laughs> and uh, I can see us doing a 48-hour series of live social media about it while we're there, but also walking away with footage that we could cut into potentially a 30-minute to an hour-long, you know, little documentary about our experience there, including any of the people we run into and happen to talk to and what Stagecoach means to them, especially if we can get Bachelor players to talk about what is this to you? Yeah, it's a music festival. Mm -hmm. I get it. But like, you're trying to hook up with everybody you can here and set up paradise runs, right? That type of shit would be fascinating. Yeah. How many people do we need to hook up with though? Okay. This is a different trip for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously free I mean, to do whatever you like. Look, uh, <laughs> um, that was a joke, but what is not a joke is that I will be twirled by Blake Horseman. We need that on camera. That's what I'm saying. That's part of yes. it. And there will be people there like Belakai, OGs, who have been coming to Stagecoach for three or four years. They're out of the game. They've got their own podcast. Those people I think we can have conversations with. Oh, my God. Christina Shulman. Shulman's the queen of Stagecoach. Yes. Again, this is an idea. It is living in our minds now. It is, as Pace Case has said, growing legs. We are continuing to think about it. Stagecoach, which happens in April for 2021, has been canceled. So the soonest we could do this is a year from now, basically. Mm -hmm. Year and change. So we have some planning. We have some time. Certainly the book will be done by then, which will be good news. And, you know, 
I, I can just see it. I can see what this is like. We have a small camera crew, maybe two cameras, two sound people. I can see it working. And I think the media that we would turn out from that would be very good, actually. I think that yeah. it, um, it's something that no one else is exploring. Everybody knows stagecoach is a thing in the Bachelor world. Nobody's covering it. Look, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think we would make an amazing content. Get you a big hat. So no sun touches that, that fair face. I'll be wearing a motorcycle helmet the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but with a cowboy hat on top of the helmet. Yeah, so it'll course. be approachable. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to fit right the fuck in. Are you kidding me? Look, I haven't done the, the boots on the ground research into the, those details. It's more, more been... Uh, fantasy content for me at this point but is it in the south no it's out here indio oh my god we have no excuse we can drive yes i think we should probably get a hotel room there because we're going to be going every day all day we literally can't like if it's open if people are there oh my god i'll be in a hotel room (laughs) good luck surviving But that is our scream. We are seriously contemplating a trip to a music festival that I will absolutely hate every song played at. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, we. I feel obligated to go. I feel like it's something we have to do. I mean, that stagecoach is going to have fucking wild vibes. The first stagecoach after two canceled stage coaches. Yeah, and Coachella is also canceled like this 2021. So, it'll be and Coachella happens after it. So, it'll be mm. um maybe the first festival. I don't know what other festivals are lined up. I don't know what's going to be the first mm-hmm. one coming back, but if it is Stagecoach, that I don't know, could be fucking dangerous. I think the first festival is know. going on right now in Miami. <laughs> oh, is it really? No, no, I'm making a reference to the fact that they've had like a project X situation of partying going on. Oh, right. Right. Curfew and stuff. Yeah. Um, well anyway, this is our, uh, country themed scream from the pit this week. More details to come. Time will tell. (laughs) As it always does. But thank you, everyone, for joining us on this Thursday for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you have enjoyed all of the information we've imparted unto you. And again, remember, Saturday, I'm going to be dropping a little episode, maybe 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes long, just talking about NFTs. So for all of you who have sent me DMs asking for an explanation, you're going to get it. And it's going to be good. And... If you are looking for some more bonus gore content, make sure you check out our Patreon episode we released this week, which had our top 10 takeaways from Matt James' Bachelor season 25. It ended up being a little longer than that. Uh, You'll get all of our plays of the season, MVPs of the season, creature of the season, which I already spoiled in this episode. (laughs) Um, But that is available. If you want to dig around deep in the pit, swim around in the content with us, go to patreon.com slash game of roses. And 
before we go, as always, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,939 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, 
First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice, so it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too, so give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.